Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff going on in the retro gaming world, so let's jump right into it. Well, first off, I definitely got to talk about the new video capture section on the website. I put a ton of work into that, as well as the corresponding video, and really wanted to make something that that people could use to help improve their captures. Now, this was really, this exact method was designed for people that need exact comparisons, uh, like some of the amazing YouTubers that do those great side-by-side shots. Um, You know, it's really for people that need to squeeze, like that extra 0.1% out of it. But the comments in the video have been great. I've heard uh, a lot, or I've read a lot of people say things like, hey, I saw the whole video start to finish. Um, And that's not really for me, but I used what I learned in the second half to apply it to my captures. Exactly. It's exactly what I was hoping for. Um, you know, capturing one-to-one RGB is definitely not for everybody. And depending on your skill level using the OSSC and the compatibility, that might be much easier for some people. I just kind of approached this as somebody who doesn't have any of this equipment or is maybe not an expert in any of this equipment. And, you know, how do we walk through it for the most cost-effective way possible? And one of the things that I thought was pretty cool is I recently just bought a little small form factor PC, a Datapath capture card, um, and that Asus sound card, uh, and made one of those adapters. And now for less than 250 ish I have a full capture solution that does true RGB capture. So the, uh, it's cost effective, it works good, it's not for everybody, but... It is something that is uh, that I really hope is going to be a help for people. And I know this isn't going to be a big view video. You know, a 40-minute video about exact pixel-perfect capture certainly isn't for everybody. But I do hope that people get a chance to share it and pass it along to other people that might benefit from it or at least just enjoy it. Uh, not too many mistakes in hindsight. Usually I get so deep into these, it's like uh, it's almost like when you pass a, the same street every day but you don't remember the name of the street. You know, that type of thing. So I was so deep into this, I forgot to mention color compression. Um, and that's why the Datapath card is better than things like the StarTech card. For, for things, or for situations where you really want perfect captures or comparisons. Um, you don't need to know what these numbers mean per se, but the Datapath captures in true 444 RGB color space. And the things like the StarTech compress it to 422 or 420. So the numbers, you don't really need to know. You just need to understand that you have to get a capture card that doesn't compress colors. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get the perfect capture of the original signal. Um, And, you know, once again, there's a ton of methods of capturing your video or, uh, or even just, you know, that you might use for streaming that are fine. This is really just aimed for experts. So uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Um, Share it if you could. Uh, And, you know... Also, apply it to whatever method works for you. So if you don't really care about anything else, you already have your captures, but you want to scale them, compress them, edit them, whatever else, 
maybe this is a help as well. But either way, I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, I'm also excited about the hardware that came with it. So for anybody that saw the video or checked out the pages on the site, they may have noticed the two new open source boards that uh, interface directly with the Datapath capture cards. So I want to do an interest check for the SCART version. Um, and I have a question for experts about uh, at least the component video version, but probably the SCART version as well. So just a very quick rundown. These devices are simply to pass analog signals to the analog pins on the DVI connector that allow you to go into the analog pins on a Datapath card. Um, the SCART version has a sync stripper, which you should almost always have on. I guess I would just try it with it off first, but most of the scenarios you'd run into the console would require it on. Uh, and it also has a low-pass filter built in. Because anytime you have an analog device going into a digital device, you need some kind of filtering. And most consoles will not have that. So you'll almost always want the filter on. And in fact, the only time you'd want the filter off is if your console is already modded with a chip that has a filter. Um, so while this has been working fine for 480i and 240p sources, the way that I've added the filter is by using a THS7374 amp with a 9 megahertz filter. That's perfect for, you know, 15 kilohertz RGB stuff. But as soon as you hit 480p and over, 9 megahertz is too, uh, too low of a filter, so it's almost as if it's not there. So my question to the experts is, at least for the component video version and upcoming VGA version, what's the best and most efficient way to add a switchable higher low-pass filter into this thing? Um, do I just have a couple of video chips and switch between them? Uh, you know, is there a, a specific chip that Texas Instrument makes that's only a low-pass filter? I know that does exist because somebody emailed me about it quite a few years ago, but I lost the email. And I also don't remember if it was a switchable chip between different filters or if it just only had one. So here's my two questions for everybody watching. First and foremost, would you post down below if you're interested in purchasing one of the SCART versions, which is fine for all 15 kilohertz RGB signals. So 240p, 480i, pretty much everything from the classic consoles to be used for direct capture into your Datapath card. Insurrection Industries has offered to do a small run of production uh, just to help people out that want to use these devices, as well as people that may just want to test to see if this is the thing for them. So post down below if you're interested, something quick, just like, yeah, I'll take one, or, you know, whatever, or just type SCART to DVI in the comments, you know, by itself. And that way I'll tally them up and we'll see how many we should make for the first run. Um, there are going to be a few upgrades to the design, and it is open source, so you can do whatever you'd like with it. Uh, however, the only upgrades that I have done already, uh, I actually worked with Firebrand X just to make um, people who want to make their own a little bit easier. So fixing up some of the pads and the alignment and the writing on the board, that way if anybody wants to make their own, it's easier to solder, but nothing, nothing that would affect a production run. So uh, as is tested, we would have a small run of these. So please let me know if you're interested. I think anybody that has one of those Datapath cards should probably pick one of these up because um, it might really be coming handy at some point. Uh, and the next thing, of course, is for the comp to DVI as well as the VGA to DVI that we'll have soon, uh, please let me know if you know of a low-pass filter, either in a chip or, you know, if you're an expert and you want to help, uh, help an open-source project and design one that's, uh, you know, manually made, as long as it's switchable between at least 
uh, you know, 15 kilohertz and higher sources. So even if we only get 240p, 480p, that's fine. Uh, essentially, I'd love to see it also hit 720p, 1080i, so you have all of the analog signals. But really, the only thing we're concentrating on here is 240p, 480p, and 480i, of course. So if you have any of that info uh, and want to help contribute to an open source project, even just by passing us in the right direction, please post in the comments. Um, also, while this is technically my project and my open source design, I'm not making anything off of this. I, I, I really just want to help support it. Um, and I will. I'm not, you know, this is something I'm going to stand by and really work on with people and help any kind of testing, help improve it. Because I think anybody that does direct RGB capture would really benefit from solutions like this. Um, and especially solutions that are tailored to each input, not just one thing with a bunch of adapters. Uh, you know, and uh, although each of these could have dual purposes. I know I was certainly thinking of the VGA version also having a, uh, a sync stripper and being able to be used for RGBS. So for people that do things like plug their console into their RGB monitor and then BNC out into the capture card for streaming, that would actually be a huge help. So either way, please uh, post both your interest. If you want to buy one of the SCART versions, uh, post if you know of uh, either which Texas Instruments chips or anything about low-pass filters that could help. Um, and we'll hopefully start getting these in the hands of people right away. And then eventually, um, I would like to see anybody that wants to make and sell these, make and sell them. Um, I just once again would suggest that you wait until after all of the testing is done, because I certainly wouldn't want somebody to make, you know, a couple hundred of these just to find out we've figured out the perfect low-pass filter option and upgraded. Uh, and even if you did, these would still be perfect, once again, for 240p. So, I don't know. I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting these in the hands of more people. I've hand-built quite a few already, and uh, the feedback's been great. So, um, can't wait to see what else we could do with these, and anything to help improve direct RGB capture. A few weeks ago, Vanessa posted an article about automatic SPDIF audio switches. And uh, Dave was able to pick up a couple of them and do a full review. Uh, I don't want to spoil the review. Check it out if you're interested. But basically, they work as advertised. Um, there was one silence detection feature that didn't work the way he wanted it to, but the creator was able to give him some PC software that allowed it to be configurable, which is awesome because, uh, as I always say, I love choices because one thing might not be perfect for everyone's scenario. Um, for me personally, I, I could probably use one of these when my setup gets a little bit more finalized. So it's good to know that there is a, you know, a decent quality automatic digital audio switch out there. Because uh, when I had looked before, there was just nothing. I mean, the only answer was really just buying a, a full receiver for it. So, uh, you know, thanks to Dave for checking it out. And uh, congrats on your first post on the site. Thank you very much for the contribution. Akari has just released firmware updates for both the original and Pro Edition of the SD to SNES. The original edition now gets official support for SDD1 chips, and the Pro Edition gets that as well as the ability to run SA1 plus MSU1 games at the same time, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and it's also great that Akari is now proving to people what he has said all along, uh, that of course he's going to still support the original SD to SNES firmware. Uh, anybody that needs more information about this or just wants to see more cool stuff, check out Smoke Monster's video, and the links to all of the upgrades are also in that same post. Renee from DB Electronics has just opened pre-orders on his Graphics Booster, which is the device that plugs into the back of any Turbo Graphics or PC Engine that has an expansion port and gets really high quality RGB, S-Video, and Composite Video. 
Um, this is also one of the few devices that it's officially supported by the HD Retrovision cables. Um, and it's still available on Stone Age Gamer with a, a case as well, but this is one of those direct from the developer type of things. Um, and I believe Renee is doing it both for fun and also to get more funding for his upcoming uh, Universal Mega Dumper version 2 project. Uh, which is pretty cool because that's something that a lot of us have been talking about. And while, although that one's not for everybody, anybody that wants to at the very least dump their save game files, back up their own original cartridges, or write to their own cartridges if you're making your own homebrew, that's kind of a big deal. So uh, I'm really hoping to see that one, uh, version 2 of that, come out pretty quickly, as well as some more of the cartridge adapters. Um, so if you're uh, interested in getting one of these direct from the developer, uh, it's $65 and should be six to eight weeks from the time the pre-orders close. Uh, if you're impatient and want one right now, Stone Age Gamer still has them for stock with a case. And I believe Greg Collins said he was going to try to work on a custom 3D printed case for this, which is pretty cool because I'd love to see what Greg came up, uh, comes up with for it. And speaking of Greg, he just launched a new web store called Laser Bear Industries, where he's going to be selling all of his 3D print designs. And I think this is awesome, because while most, if not all, of his designs are open source, not everybody has a 3D printer, and it's great to be able to just support the creator directly without having to go through a store like eBay. Um, you know, I, I always have love and hate for eBay because it opens up a world of people, uh, but anybody that's ever run an eBay store knows what an unbelievable nightmare that could be. So i uh, very happy that Greg got this open and that he's going to make his designs available for sale directly through it. Um, and I'm personally looking forward to a lot of the Sega stuff that he's been making. So uh, I'll keep everybody posted as soon as anything new and awesome is up for sale. Uh, and anybody that wants to buy stuff now, just check out his website, laserbear.net. The 2D Virtual Boy demo called Captain Sevilla is now being remade as a true 3D stereoscopic game for the Virtual Boy, utilizing the VU Engine project. So it's pretty cool to see more Virtual Boy homebrew. I, I love the console, as weird as that might sound. I don't know why. Uh, I only really play a handful of games on it, but I just love the experience when I do. Uh, just fully immersing yourself in an all-red 3D world. <laughs> So uh, anybody that's interested, there's a, a video of uh, what the demo would look like and more information uh, in the post, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting this one. This looks neat. A 3D uh, side-scrolling game like this. I don't know. Seems perfect for the Virtual Boy. So apparently the official Sega Mega Drive Mini is still going to be a thing sometime this year, and now they're asking fans to vote on which games they would like included. Um, and I guess you get to choose one title from three different series of games to be included. So Sonic or Sonic 2, Puyo Puyo or Puyo Puyo 2, and Shining Force or Shining Force 2. Uh, I, I, as well as Ronnie, the writer of the article, can't understand why they wouldn't just include them all. It's, you know, if it's Sega's own intellectual property, I don't know. Um, I, I hope that everything they say is true. I hope that they're taking the time to do an excellent HDMI outputting Genesis, uh, and the reason there's delays is because they're going to try to make it, you know, as good quality as you would expect. But uh, I just have no expectations for it. I have hope, but no expectations. I expect this thing to be, to be on par with a Hyperkin HDMI product, which is not a compliment. So uh, cast your vote if you would like to. Um, and I guess I'll try to get one in for testing whenever they come out, just for the heck of it. But uh, definitely curb your expectations, because I wouldn't expect anything amazing.
There's a new action puzzler game for the Sega Genesis called Old Towers from the Retro Souls team. Uh, this is a homebrew game that's uh, available right now as a ROM, and they're even talking about possibly having a physical release through Mega Cat Studios. It looks pretty impressive, um, and it's something I'm certainly uh, interested in trying out. And I do love uh, how they're how they're distributing this game at the moment. Right now, you could go to their website, and you could either download it for free or decide that, decide that you'd like to support the developer. Um, and I really like stuff like this, and I'm always honest about it. Uh, and I know it's more being honest with myself than anything else, but whatever. Um, you know, when I have time, I plan on downloading this game for free, and I'm going to give it a try. And if it's something that I'm going to play more than once, I will absolutely go back uh, and support the developer with whatever I feel like. Um, and, you know, no disrespect, if it's a cool game that was neat to try for five minutes, I'm glad that they gave me the opportunity to do so. Uh, and I really hope that more people embrace that, both the, both the developers as well as the people who are getting this content, um, because it, I just think it's a great way to go about doing things. I think, uh, you know, with any platform at all, people are going to steal it if they really want to, and most of us just want to try it and buy it. So, uh, you know, while I would usually love physical media of everything, um, you know, my apartment's already starting to look like an electronics graveyard, so less is better for me. Uh, and if I try this game and like it, I really would like to support the developer in hopes that they'll make more games. So thank you to uh, the developers for doing it this way uh, and for giving us an opportunity to try for free. Or even just the fact that if I end up throwing $10 and, you know, accidentally delete the ROM, I can go back and just re-download it without worrying about an order number and an account and all that stuff. So uh, thanks to everybody involved. I'm looking forward to trying this one out. Production of the PS Vita has officially ended. I believe Sony's talked about it for a while and people expected this to happen probably sooner than this, but now Sony is officially done making the Vita. Um, I guess it didn't sell very well and it didn't have as large of a library as people hoped. Um, and you know, it, it's funny with handhelds. Ever since cell phone games came out, there's always the talk of do people still need handhelds? And everybody usually has a different answer to that. Some people really like a dedicated gaming device, especially for kids. Um, other people like to just use their cell phones. So it, it'll be interesting to see how handheld gaming is treated in the upcoming years. But either way, uh, say goodbye to the production of new Vitas. And if you were looking to pick up a brand new one, I guess get them while they're still on the shelves. Retro Gaming Cables has just announced that they'll soon be selling component video cables. Um, they'll be made for all of the major consoles like Genesis, Saturn, Dreamcast, Super Nintendo, GameCube, and PlayStation. Um, and while there's no target release date at the moment, they're looking to be around $40, which is pretty cool. It's kind of a budget price for it, um, especially for what you're getting in there. Uh, and they'll be based off of their Pack-A-Punch line, so they'll be fully shielded cables. Um, I'm really interested in trying them out and seeing how they perform, and I'll certainly report back when I get one to try. And speaking of component video cables, HD Retrovision just posted an update of what to expect in the coming months. Uh, first, their Genesis and Super Nintendo cables are still in stock at distributors, and a new shipment of Genesis cables will be arriving in early summer, but there will be no more orders placed for SNES cables this year. So if you're thinking about getting one of those, definitely pick them up right now, because uh, they might end up out of stock for a little bit. 
And also, the Dreamcast cables are nearing completion. There's just uh, another few small hurdles to get over, and I'm really looking forward to finally getting my hands on a finished version of one of those. Uh, so I'll keep everybody else updated when they're available, and if you'd like to be added to their mailing list to get all of the up-to-the-date news, uh, just check out the link right down below. An Indiegogo campaign was just started to make replacement keys and cases for Amiga keyboards. It's compatible with quite a few different Amiga consoles, uh, but essentially only for keyboards using Mitsumi hybrid switches. Um, these new keys will never get yellowed and are available in 13 colors in 8 different language layouts, which is awesome. Um, the Indiegogo, Indiegogo campaign was already funded, um, so that's great news for people that were looking for these. Hopefully the production and everything will stay on schedule and now you could have replacement Amiga keys that don't look gross. <laughs> Firebrand X has made the SSDS3 audio bypass board available for download on OSH Park. He's still going to be offering them pre-assembled as well as offer installation services, as is Mobius StripTech. But if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to just make your own, now you're available to just download it and make it. Um, also, I strongly recommend anybody with the older version of the SSDS3, which is pretty much everything that's been sold up until now, up until February, March 2019, um, I strongly recommend doing this one. Uh, you know, the, there was a few other audio fixes, but after installing this amp, the, the audio quality really went, I mean, it's at the point now where I would call it perfect. Uh, more information on all this stuff could be found in the PC Engine video I posted recently, but I would definitely call this a must-do to any of the original SSDS3s. So it's cool that now Firebrand X has made it available to download, so uh, people just have one more way to get it done. Someone recently sent me a write-up by somebody named Matt Greer that talked about how the Sega Saturn made its transparency effects and how it differed from something like the PlayStation. And while I am absolutely not a programmer and I genuinely don't understand most of it, I still found this write-up kind of fascinating and it was written in a way that I could easily understand it even though I don't have programming knowledge. And uh, I don't want to spoil the article, but it basically comes down to how the Saturn uses both of its video chips in order to create the images. Uh, and why sometimes, even though a transparency effect could have been used, they chose a different method. So uh, if you're into any of that stuff, definitely give it a read. It was really, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Someone just posted a program that allows you to use a Raspberry Pi's touchscreen controller to control things like an Extron Crosspoint switch or even a Sony BVM. Uh, and this is pretty neat, because uh, people that have stationary setups, pretty much the opposite of me, who's constantly unplugging, plugging something in, switching things around, uh, anybody that has stationary setups might really benefit from a simple touchscreen device. And he designed it around the SmartPi. Uh, and there's pretty cheap cases and screens that are already uh, involved in that, so you could just pick up these kits, kind of assemble it all together. And then you would have to make USB to RS-485 cables in order to plug into all of these hardware devices. But then the software that uh, the creator, Matt Holder, has given away allows you to program that to control what inputs of your BVM, um, yeah, the configuration options, what inputs and outputs of the switch. So I I've seen a few touchscreen-based Extron Crosspoint controller softwares in the past year, and I think all of them are awesome. Uh, so once again, if you're somebody with a stationary setup that just wants to be extra fancy, uh, definitely take a look at this and see if it's something that you'd want to give a try. There's a new light gun about to be released that works with many different types of emulators and all screens, including projectors and LCD screens. 
The Sindin light gun works by adding a thin border around whatever the image is um, and uses that to calibrate where on the screen your mouse pointer is and essentially the gun just mimics a mouse. Uh, it's been tested on Raspberry Pi and on Windows as well as through our, with arcade games which is something that's really interesting to me because I think I've said this a few times before on the podcast, but I really do like those, you know, any kind of light gun game where it's just a fun way to kill some time and, you know, shoot some zombies or some ducks or something. But I've, I've only been able to play whatever light gun games I've seen at any of the arcades I've been to. So I'd really like to experience a lot more of those games, and something like this is certainly one way to do it. I know there were a few other people talking about different ways to accomplish that, but now there is yet another option that should work on all TVs and all emulation devices. Um, the creator is planning on launching a Kickstarter campaign this month, uh, but is being very careful not to launch until everything's double-checked and he feels comfortable launching it without any, without any surprises. So there's always going to be things that you can't foresee, but I really do like the fact that um, he refuses to jump the gun and won't pull the trigger on the... the pull the trigger ah, <laughs> of the uh, of the Kickstarter campaign until he's uh, really sure that it's something that could be made efficiently. So that's awesome. I wish more people would, would treat crowdfunding like that because we certainly have a lot of uh, the papriums that have been, you know, staining uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. But either way, I'm really interested in trying it out and uh, hope it adds just another cool way to play light guns on emulators. GameTech has just opened up pre-orders on GC Dual Kits. Those are the internal mods for GameCubes that output both HDMI and either RGB or component, uh, and it's simultaneous output. So perfect for streamers or anybody that needs to, or just people that want to game on both RGB monitors and flat screens. Um, the price is $125 and should ship within three months of the pre-orders close, but Jason always aims for sooner. Uh, I think that's just a, a good safe number. But anybody interested, check out the link. OSH Park is now offering flex cables, which is pretty cool for people that want to prototype stuff and uh, don't want to have to worry about spending quite a bit of money on a large run of flex cables. And it's also pretty impressive that just a few years ago, something like this, a hobbyist run of flex cables, was pretty much impossible. Um, unfortunately, with OSH Park, everything takes forever, and you, it's usually a lot more expensive than you'd imagine. Uh, for example, when I got the, this prototype made for the SCART to DVI, um, three of them ended up being $85. Uh, that included shipping and their swift processing, because without that, it would arrive in like a month, uh, at least through my experience. Whereas I ordered from JCL PCB, that's where I got these green ones for. Um, it was after it was two dollars for ten, but then you had to spend twenty-five dollars on shipping to get them from China, and they arrived in less than a week. So thirty dollars for ten, or eighty-five dollars for three. One arrived in less than a week; the other was almost two weeks. You know, I'm never using OSH Park again. <laughs> no offense. Uh, I just I've spent I've spent so much money there, and it just keeps getting more expensive. So uh, while I'm really happy that they're doing this, um, I would yeah I would always look for other places and always take the total cost into account. Um, I was certainly nervous going to places overseas and not knowing how long it would take. You know what support would be like, but it just it was equally as easy as OSH Park. So, sorry to turn a happy 
a happy post into a negative post, I guess. But uh, it is very cool that we get to do more prototypes here. And I know if I were working on something that needed a, a flex cable, uh, I probably would consider OSH Park for uh, for the first one or two or whatever. I think you need an, uh, I think it requ uh, requires a minimum of three. So you know, I probably would do it just to try it out, and then as soon as I needed a real production run of any number, I would go somewhere else. <laughs> okay, now for some really exciting news for Virtual Boy fans. Kevin Mellett has just announced the MultiBoy 32, which is a full-featured flash cart for the Virtual Boy. So it's exactly like what you would expect out of a ROM cart. Just dump all your ROMs on a micro SD card, load it into this, and you can choose your game through the on-screen menu. This will also support the larger games, including Hyper Fighting, which is just a ridiculously good port of Street Fighter. I mean, just imagine, like, Super Nintendo Street Fighter, but all in red on the Virtual Boy. I love it. In fact, I bought Ben Jedward's Fight Stick just to be able to play Hyper Fighting that way. I'll have more info on that at another time, but uh, this is just really exciting for me because I, I love all of the Virtual Boy homebrew, and while I do have a fl uh, Flash Boy, I believe it's called, Richard Hutchinson designed single flash cart, um, you have to load it up with uh, each ROM individually with a USB cable plugged into your computer, and it doesn't support larger file sizes, and you can't back up your save games. So it's not like I could just get halfway through Wario Land, save it off, switch to a different game, go back. Um, so while I, I do think that's a great piece of hardware, this is exactly what... Uh, what I've been waiting for, as well as most other people in the Virtual Boy scene. Uh, I'm really looking forward to just being able to dump all that awesome homebrew on and be able to flip through it and really just sit in and enjoy it. So if you want one of these, you need to email Kevin and just let him know how much or, or how many you would like. And his goal is to get it released by the end of the summer. He just needs to know how many people are going to be ordering before he could place the order. Because this is a full BGA package. It's not something that can be hand-soldered. So he needs to order them directly from a fabrication plant. So he'll need to know if he needs to make 50, 100, a million, whatever. So please contact him. The email's right on the page. Um, and he's aiming for a $150 price range. Of course, if there's more people ordering, I'm sure that'll go down. Uh, but I'm very excited for this, and I hope all Virtual Boy fans step up to the plate and buy one, both so the price goes down and so maybe we could end up with a lot more very awesome Virtual Boy homebrew that we could enjoy on original hardware. And lastly, if anybody's around tonight, Wednesday, March 6th, I will be at Brooklyn Video Games doing a live stream of Neo Geo Dev Team games. Which is exciting, because the only one I've ever played was Gunlord, and I loved it. So I'm really excited to see what the other ones are. Um, my buddy Kevin's bringing down four games. So Brooklyn Video Games has two MVS cabs, each with a full streaming setup. So we'll have both streams going on Twitch and on YouTube. And we're going to have uh, a main game and a sub game playing at the same time. So while I'd really love to see everybody, anybody that wants to come down and hang out, uh, you know, it would be fun to see everybody in person. But if nothing else, definitely tune into the live stream because it'd be really cool to see these games in action. We're going to have the new Krautbuster, which, by the way, I don't, <laughs> I don't really feel comfortable saying that name out loud, but apparently the team is German, so, hey, it's their business. If I'm going to call myself a fat guy, no one can tell me not to, so whatever. Uh, Krautbuster and Gunlord will be the two main games that we're playing. Uh, and then Last Hope Pink and Fast Striker will be the secondaries. 
so we'll probably have like Krautbuster and Last Hope playing, and then in about an hour switch over to Gunlord and Fast Striker, and then at the end just play whatever everybody wants to see on stream. So either way, if you're in Brooklyn, pop down for a little bit and say hi. Uh, the store will be open, so if you want to buy anything, feel free. Uh, or just come and hang out, play some games, pump some quarters, and check out the Neo Geo dev team games. But if not, if you can't make it, definitely tune into whichever stream you prefer, or both, uh, and check them out. Because uh, the Neo Geo dev team games, I've heard nothing but good things about. Um, and in fact, the only complaint I've heard is some of them are hard. So uh, I'm really interested in trying them out and, and seeing what they're like, especially on real calibrated MVS cabs with, you know, high-quality buttons and stuff. It's it's always fun to experience something in the best way or in the most, I don't know, uni- uh, official way, I guess. A Neo Geo game on Neo Geo cab is, to me personally, how I feel that it's the best way to play them. So either show up or tune in. Either way, I'd love to see as many people could make it. Um, and, of course, as always, thank you to Brooklyn Video Games for helping out and hosting this event, and thanks to Kevin for bringing the games down. Just a few very quick things before I go. One more reminder to just please post down below if you're interested in one of the SCART to DVI adapters for the Datapath capture cards. Even if you just post like SCART to DVI so I know you're interested. That way I'll make sure that we have enough for everybody for this first run. Um, Also, if you happen to know anything about the low-pass filter chips or where you could point me in the right direction, please post that as well. And uh, tomorrow night, Thursday the 7th, we will be doing the Retro Roundtable podcast. So it's Nick and Steve from HG Retrovision, Voltar, and Renee from DB Electronics. So uh, if you're into that, please tune in. Uh, We do save them and they come out the next day, but it's always really fun if you can make it live and interact in the comments and stuff like that. Uh, And lastly, of course, please come down to Brooklyn Video Games tonight if you're around or just log into the stream and hang out. Well, that's about it. So thank you, everybody, for listening or watching, and I'll see you next week.